and there's still time. Oh, what became of the likely love? What became of the dreams we had? So I had a place for football for the coach. Man, I want to play football for the coach. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. You might hear a little bit of an echo because we're recording this in one of our outside broadcast shows. We're out in the interior again in Langley. Long way to get here, but it's going to be worth it and we look forward to these round tables. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Steve Pander. Hello everybody. And we've got a couple of familiar faces. We've got Zachary Meisenheimer. Head honcho of the Curva Collective. How you doing, Michael? And Stephen Lamotte. Uh, hello. Who is known to everyone on Twitter as SS Slamo. Or just Slamo. But wait a minute. What's that? I think that's not all we have here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yes, we're joined by someone we've wanted to have on the podcast for ages. John Knox, also known as Johnny Monster, former head honcho of the Southsiders. Glad to have you here at long last. Very glad to be here at long last. Now, I, I don't want you other guys to kind of feel a little bit left out that we got special theme music for Johnny. So we did get some other music for, for you people. So let's start off with Steve's one. We've heard this before, but it's, it's worth a play. The listeners right now don't realize he is dancing across the room. Yes, I'm naked, which is not a pleasant sight. Somebody's got to make it for Jay Dubin to be here. That's very true. And for for Stephen, he's known as Slamo. We couldn't get anything called Slamo, but we, we got something something to do with Slam for you. That was actually cool. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty dope. But my, my, the only thing better than that music was your moves, Michael. <laughs> I think my favourite one though is for for you, Zach. For anyone that's seen a picture of Zach, there there's something about him that always kind of stands out. It's long. It's brown. It's hairy. It's his beard. I think I maybe had some of those going on a little bit too long, but yep, we're going to fear the beard and a lot more tonight. We had also hoped to be joined with a special sixth member. Darren Mattix was going to join us this evening, but unfortunately we couldn't fit his ego through the door. So I guess we weren't really going to start with this, but it's the, it's the big news today. Darren Mattix opened his mouth, let his stomach rumble, and gave a little talk on Jamaican TV that's ruffled a few feathers up here. Part of me thinks he never thought it was going to get out and that people up here would ever see it or it would see the light of day, but what, what did you guys make of that? Let's, let's start with you, Zach. Well, AFTN head honcho, I, uh, I mean, it's, it's disappointing. You want someone who uh, wants to be your club, you want someone who recognizes uh, their role in the club in relation to the rest of the squad. Uh, you want someone who can be honest about that and yet still give their all and still work hard and 
and still have a desire to be in the first team and to be playing and all that kind of stuff. And so I think in that respect, it's kind of disappointing. I think Darren is a, a younger guy who has a great ambition, who has had some success, and he longs to, to relive that. And um, I think there's still potential for him to do that. It just, uh, when you say certain things, it, it, makes it, uh, it makes it harder for your relations at the club with future managers potentially even with supporters. And so, yeah, I think, I think if I was to sum it up in one word, I would say it, it was disappointing. For, for anyone that didn't hear the comments, to, to kind of put it in a nutshell, it's just that it was felt that he should be playing a little bit more this season, in fact, a lot more this season, that he single-handedly took the Whitecaps to the playoffs last year, that he is the best thing since sliced bread, the greatest footballer in MLS. No, you're saying he, but you should be saying Darren. I, sh- I should be talking in the third person or, or started a thing with me or me man or something like that. So, so Darren clearly thinks that he is better than the people at the Whitecaps and those watching the Whitecaps thought he, he was this season. I mean, John, do you think there's any way back from now? Is, he gonna, is there any way he can play here next season? I think there is. Um, I think uh, he'll have a long chat with uh, some of the staff at uh, the Caps FO, um, particularly on the subject of, of what he should and shouldn't be saying publicly. I mean, he is a professional athlete. He needs to conduct himself with some level of decorum. And I understand that he's frustrated with his lack of playing time. Uh, but uh, perhaps what he's not saying outwardly, which I think some of us who have watched him play this past season may consider a factor, is that uh, maybe a little bit of this venting that he's doing has more to do with his own disappointment and his own play. And um, he's maybe having a difficult time coming to terms with the fact that he has gone from this NCAA college superstar to what amounts to being a, a bit player on a club where he was uh, perhaps expecting himself to be the superstar. And um, I think it's been a tough pill for him to swallow. Um, He is young and uh, young people tend to fly off the handle and say things they regret later. So I'm not gonna hold this uh, against him for uh, perpetuity, but he needs to smarten up. Uh, I think all players, when they do public engagements like TV appearances and such, they need to be mindful that what they say can have a very significant um, reflection upon themselves and the club that they're supposed to be representing. So, Darren, knock it off. I think a lot of a lot of it has to also to do with the fact that he sees how much success his best bud, uh, Darlington Dagby, is having in Portland. Um, but that's because he's actually playing decent football. Yeah, exactly. But, the, but that's what I'm saying. Like he, he sees that and he, he's feeling that he should be at that level too. Um, for him coming back next year, I didn't think he was going to be coming back next year in the at the first place, especially if he uh, graduates from his generation Adidas contract, he's going to be costing over $200,000. Um, I think they would have found a way to get rid of him at that point. Uh, at this point, I think it's almost still a deal for him that maybe he's going to be moving on. Maybe this is actually just some kind of wonderful PR ploy by the Whitecaps that they were going to get rid of him because he is popular with some people that they thought maybe there'd be a, an uproar about that. So what they do is they create a bad news story and they can get rid of him that way. Do you think they're, they're clever enough to, to do something like that, Stephen? No, not at all. I think I agree more with your first point in that he probably just thought it was some local, uh, you know, Wayne's World local cable <laughs> show down in Jamaica and, you know, 17 of his friends would watch it and it'd give him a chance to be a bit more, uh, you know, clever with a smaller audience and it came to bite him in the ass a bit but yeah I think there's a chance he'll be back again not if if he graduates off the GA and my understanding is the GA is graduated as well though right his full cap wouldn't count it percentages even after they graduate I don't know I don't know I I, I spoke to Greg Anderson the on the last game of the season and he was saying that they haven't made any decisions yet on any of the GA people, like Omar as well as Darren. It and won't come up until after the season's over. Yeah, it's all going to be based on whether they feel that they've, they've made the full transition and that they are part of the team and they've got regular minutes and stuff like that. So Omar, they might get away with. Darren, it's almost impossible after winning Rookie of the Year and everything. <laughs> which, which, if you listen to the interview, he, he, he likes you to know that. Yeah. <laughs> 
he's also really big on pointing out his high school success. Yeah, see, that's where I'm thinking. He just thinks nobody's listening, and he's like, you know, his grandpa telling you about the war he was in. You know, it's like, <laughs> did the Whitecaps give him maybe rookie of the year and tell him he was rookie of the year or something like that to make him feel better? Well, I mean, maybe, here's, here's maybe his <laughs> mom gave him. Austin Berry, Austin Berry actually won the uh, the award that year in 2012. It wasn't him. Here's what I'm trying to be mindful of: is is he's a young guy who has found. Uh, a significant amount of success, um, uh, perhaps not on the pitch, but certainly in terms of the development of his career. Uh, I mean, he's he's one of the featured faces in the Adidas commercial that's playing before every single Whitecaps match, and he's up there with some big faces, big names. I mean, it's it it's, must be difficult for a guy in his position uh, who's that young to enter this world where suddenly there is a spotlight. And I think uh, guys like Darren... Uh, need a little coaching uh, in terms of what they should be doing off the pitch so that they handle that limelight appropriately and but, not... But would someone like him listen because he, he seems really stubborn and the, the word that came to my mind through it all was actually delusional. That in some parallel universe, Darren Mattox has scored 20 goals this season and unfortunately the Darren Mattox that was in this interview is the guy that lives in that parallel universe. He just, he just doesn't seem self-aware as to, as to what kind of bad season he's had. And if you watch the early games and all the misses that he had, there's a reason he wasn't in the team. I mean, does anyone here feel he should have had more minutes this year and that he deserved more playing time? No. Over Hurtado? Well, depends. I mean, I'd rather see Kakuda get those minutes over Hurtado, but I think... But Hurtado, he also went through a spell of injury, too, where his yeah. knee was hurting or something. And too, I, so. There's been chat on Twitter as well that maybe he was being punished a little bit for going away on international duty, which I don't know yeah. where that's come from, if that's more well, spin that's the, coming the, out. The, the well, Rennie said those things, though, about, you know, every time he's here, he's either off on international or he's got an injury or whatever. So there were those rumblings anyway the, from the, Rennie. That is now. unfair, though, because every time Tybert goes off to play for Canada, I mean, it's celebrated by the Whitecaps. It's on their website. It's, yeah. it, it's very much hyped. And, and certainly that has to do with the fact that the Whitecaps are a Canadian club and Tybert's playing for Canada. But at the same time, when you bring in international players, when they go off and have some level of international success, it looks great on the club that they're playing for. Mm -hmm. And so I would think that if Darren Maddox was playing for Jamaica with regularity, scoring like crazy, and really making a name for himself in CONCACAF, you would see the same sort of uh, support and boosterism from the club in terms of promoting him as Jamaican superstar. But he's just not been a superstar this one, year. One thing I yeah. want to bring up about a, a tweet I saw by Weaver that was actually really like telling um, how he threw Rennie under the bus and then uh, Weaver tweeted out uh, Rennie actually stopped some of the veterans from actually going and like a little hard on Maddox. I thought that was pretty telling about what Rennie maybe letting yeah, off the hook so, a little bit. Well, or just trying to protect a young player. Yeah. If it was me, I would have one of the hard guys in the team going and training on him and, and say, okay, cut out your attitude, otherwise yeah. this is what you're going to get. Well, see, so, you know, on the other side, you know, watching in the background, watching Lee Nguyen play, and, you know, it's also an opportunity for the club to look at things and going, you know, we're not, for young players coming in and going, every time I make a mistake, I'm going to be shipped off or I'm done, you know, it's an opportunity to look at a guy like Maddox and work with him and show other young players that, you know, if you mess up once, you're not gone, right? It's not the end of the world. Just, just to put a little bit of clarity in it as well, uh, Bobby Leonard Doozy had a mini conference call with some media today, and in that he confirmed that there hadn't been offers from England for Darn. There had been discussions that he might go and, and train there. He seems really perplexed and taken aback, was the word that he used, that, that Darn's come out and said these things. And Mr. Rusley here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have to stop because Zach's on his 20th scan day. <laughs> But he said he was taken aback. That was the words that he used. The club weren't expecting that because they had a meeting last week and apparently Darren didn't air any of those grievances during those meetings last week. They're trying to get hold of him. There's not been any word. He did also confirm that there had been interest in him from other clubs in MLS. But he then went on to say there's also been interest in a number of their other players as well. So kind of playing that down a bit. There's always chatter among the other yeah. teams. Yeah. And he, he said he fully expects him to be here next year, but I feel he has to say that yeah. to try and get, get the maximum value yeah. when, when they get rid of him. And as long-time listeners of the show know, I've been trying to get rid of him <laughs> since April. So I was kind of celebrating today that he's close to going. 
Now, what I find really ironic about the Darren Mattox interview is that it was actually on the show Football GPS. And anyone that's watched them this year knows that a Football GPS is actually what Darren needed to find the net a lot of times this year. But anyway, enough about uh, an egomaniac. So we're going to talk about a number of issues tonight. And from somebody that might be leaving to somebody that, that has left. And I guess we kind of have to start a little bit with the... The Martin Rennie firing, dismissal, let go, not renewing his contract, whatever words you want to, to go with. It's not renewing, it, his contract was not renewed. There's a, there's a difference. I still say he was fired. No. That's or canned, as I that's, tweeted out that's last not, Monday. That's not accurate. I think it is. It's like, if your contract's not renewed, you no longer have a job, so you're technically He can collect dismissed. EI quicker. True. <laughs> He's been contractually displaced. Contraction, yeah, there you go. So, Zach's clearly sad by that. He's been eating for comfort by what he can tell so far in this podcast. Not saying he's put on weight, it's just what people that are listening to this can't see. He's on about his 20th Halloween candy at the moment. That's just been pushed towards me. But You, you would have heard it throughout the whole show. Yeah, if you've, if you've heard kind of rustling, it, it was just that Zach was, was eating a little bit. So, Zach, I know you, you were maybe not friends, but you, you knew Martin well. You've been a defender of him, as head honcho of the Curva Collective. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on on Martin? Steve's actually the head honcho of Curva Collective. We just don't tell anyone that. Um, no, I, yeah, I, you, you know, when you say friend is maybe a strong word, I, I, like I, I would think of him as a friend, but like I didn't spend as much time with him as other people say, like Tater in the past or whatever. Um, so. Yeah, definitely a good connection with him uh, and really appreciate him and uh, as a person and as a coach and um, the way he um, helped our club move forward. Well, and, you know, you could talk about debate, whether that was enough or blah, 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 whatever. But, no, I, I, I think he was great for the club. I think he probably deserved another year, personally. I understand why they let him go. I, I'm not a really big fan of it, especially because of the way things now appear in that the club either doesn't have an immediate plan or the immediate plan is going to be a little bit longer and more drawn out. I mean, I mean, your article, I think, was fairly accurate from the same things I was hearing in terms of Frank's coming. Like, this is, like, done. Like, sure, we haven't, quote-unquote, talked to him, but... It was like he he is coming like so they can say all they all they want that they didn't talk to anyone you know before they let Martin go but we all know that's not the truth. And, we haven't um, talked to him, but we have his player evaluations on our desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, which they're probably using now to yeah. get rid of people. Yeah. So, um, so th I think that adds to the disappointment because I'm not saying they don't have a plan, but the plan. Uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be enacted quickly if they're waiting to talk to experienced MLS coaches, which also, I, I got to be honest, no one out there really excites me. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come to the coaches that may be lined up and I'll, I'll throw some names out that I've been hearing just in a little bit as well. Did you ever go to spin class with Martin? He was too busy unwrapping candies. <laughs> Martin, Martin, <laughs> Martin, Martin is, is, a, is a very positive guy. If you've spent, I mean, aside, outside of press conference and post-match thing if you spend time with him that's how he that's who he is and that's how he talks he's a very positive person like uh, and always trying to, to be positive about things um, and there's and nothing wrong with that and I'm kind of I'm just joking I actually had a lot of time for him because I I think in amongst all this when you're hearing stuff that some of the players are saying about him and stuff it's maybe he's it's maybe been overlooked exactly what he did with this club he took the club from bottom of MLS he took them to the playoffs. Yeah, we struggled in the second half of last season. We struggled in the second half of this season and didn't succeed. But he did turn the, the club around. He turned a club around that was coached by Tommy Sowen. Let's not overblow it too much. He's, he's still, you have to give him credit because he did turn it around. Yeah. And I, he, I think he, he brought some legitimacy back to the organisation in terms of a, being a football club. Yeah. You know, we our first year of MLS was an absolute disaster and there are a multitude of reasons why that happened. But I felt, you know, having been a, a long-time supporter, I felt in the past couple of seasons, like, I, I got my old club back, mm. you know? Uh, whether whether people agreed with what Rennie did or whether they feel he should have stayed or gone, 
I think what we can argue is that we had some entertaining football, things were moving in a positive direction, and I didn't. I, I went into every match expecting like it was a winnable game. Yeah. Whereas in the first season, it was, oh my gosh, I, I just I don't know what we're going to be expecting here. So uh, you know, my hats off to Martin Rennie for that. I think he he brought back a little bit of the fighting spirit. Maybe we needed a little more, but I, we were going in the right direction as far as I'm concerned. He did bring a feel-good factor. I, I do personally think myself the time had come for him to move on because I, I think we were, I, don't, I was going to say stagnate, and I think Bobby's just in my, in my head a little bit here with comments that he'd made before. But we plateaued. Season. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a fair way to say it. Yeah, and whether he could take it to the next level or not, we don't know. The thing that really surprised me is usually when a manager gets sacked, the bulk of the fan base want him to go. And the general consensus is that manager should go. But amongst the fans, amongst the hardcore supporters, amongst the media even, well, maybe not so much the media, but amongst the supporters, it seemed to be a pretty 50-50 split that people wanted him to stay, some people wanted him to go. And you don't get that very often with a manager. I mean, Stephen, do you think it was the right decision? Did you want to see him go? Yeah, I wanted to see him go. But, you know, I mean, honestly, I'm more about the feel and vibe of something right and i thought you know actions and behaviors and what i'm seeing should all match and that's not what was occurring you know there were the dallas game sticks out of playing good and switching you know no we i guess we didn't play good after saying you know we played well or whatever and i think that positive the positive uh, personality or positive psychology whatever you want to call it it needs to match with the reality right so you don't try to make negative positive you try to find positive in the negative and i think he tried to make negative positive which just is a and mixed message and it gets lost on anyone and i, I think, think at the start of uh, at the start of last year what he was good at was motivating the younger guys to be competitive and making the guys like eric and david a work harder which is why he got those results when he tried to do that with more seasoned players like Nigel and that sort of thing, that's when you kind of lose the crowd, right? And some of the things we've heard about the senior players like Jay and Nigel and whoever else, you know, it, I think part of that is that digging digging uh, corn out of a dog do and pretending it's dinner, it's not going to work, right? You know, it you works have in to pull. Beef. <laughs> you have to pull actual positive things out of a negative occurrence not make a negative occurrence positive and i agree with you i think he lost the dressing some of the especially the, like you said the senior players on that he lost the dressing room because they're saying what is he talking about we play like mm -hmm. crap and, and um, what exactly are, and what are what are what is this guy watching is he watching the game does he even know what, what's going on in the game i think you lose players that way i understand that that's the way he is in real life but sometimes you have to change a little bit to where your players are another thing is obviously i think he coached a little bit scared especially on the road in certain situations where he would he would just change his tactics completely and not play the same way that he would play in certain games like the one game was the away Montreal game where he had players uh, Rio Coker playing here and Brad Russo playing here and it just switched everything around Alan Rochette up top it was it was completely confusing to most maybe even to his own team um Steve when you're saying that players uh had a certain perspective on the positive spin um are you saying that uh as that's the way you perceive it or players actually said no perceive it i perceive okay. it that way that's what if i was a player in his situation and this is something that i'm saying as a fan and a media person if i if, when i listened to his post-game comments on the radio or something like that i was going i was saying to myself what is he talking about is he watching this game i understand he's got to be a little bit positive like you said but the way you said it was perfect you got to take positivity out of it, negativity, and not turn it into positivity. Yeah. I but, think, sorry, go ahead, Zach. Okay, here's the thing, though. I think the um, supporter, fan, uh, media perception of things is, is so far different than the player's perception of things. Because uh, I don't think Martin's, the things he says in the post-match scrum is not the same thing that he and uh, Robbo and, and Paul are saying, and, and Jake are saying to the team in the dressing room. Uh, or the way they break things down afterwards. Uh, I think there is 
part of that is positive, but I think there is more reality to that. But I, even, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's the way it is. Even if he says it, the, the players will see that yeah. in the media and they'll say, what's going on? Why is he spinning one way or another? And there were a couple of times during the season where he did throw the players you under the bus out consistent. of nowhere. Your behavior has to match your act. Your words have to match your behaviors, right? And if it's not, then you're not a true person. You don't have that integrity. And to me, that's that's what lost it. And that's where I say the vibe. I just don't think he's a and man. I, 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 he came from a sales background. Did some of the players see him as a sleazy salesman who was just trying to sell them snake oil? And yeah, that's, so I don't that's, think it's that bad. That, huh? I don't, I'm not saying it's that bad. I'm going to probably to the extreme, but I'm just saying to the, some of the players that didn't like him, maybe they thought that. You never know. Yeah, see, what I knew of Martin Rennie and, and, and the, the conversations that I had with him always struck me that he was the kind of guy that gave it to you straight and didn't give you a spin. But towards the end of this particular season, um, you know, it did seem to me like he was putting a little too much of a, a positive shine on things when things were not good. And I often wonder to myself, well, um, you know, Zach, as you said, you know, he, what he's saying to the players in the dressing room is probably, uh, you know, completely different than what he's saying in the media. But if those two messages don't jive, and if I'm a player on Whitecaps and, and I'm hearing this other message that he's giving out to the media, taking that into consideration, that may plant a seed of doubt and it may cause some issues in terms of my confidence as a player in my coach. And uh, I think that he may have lost a bit of support in the dressing room if there were in fact some conflicting messages. And I suspect there and, were. And you, gotta, you gotta understand, soccer players are not bright. No, but we all know that. I think they've been, they've been hit the head a lot for soccer. They're not the brightest. No, okay. I'm, I'm just saying, no athlete this is, is the brightest. No, this That's is, why they're athletes. This is a valid perspective, but I do think that a lot of the a lot of the players do understand why why a person would say why a coach would say be very positive in the media and maybe let's use the term a little more critical in in the locker room. So, but I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you that some might not be so. Um, Right. Yeah. yeah. I just think. Yeah. Yeah. Some might not uh, see the see the appropriateness of the differences, but I will say this: in late June, early July, yeah, I, I then I was hearing, I was hearing significant individuals were were not impressed and were very in the squad were not impressed and very frustrated at uh, a number of things, uh, exp- uh, and were really um, wondering. You know, uh, if he would be involved long term, uh, not not a lot of people, but a, a significant enough. enough people that it was. So, is there a feeling from anyone here that Martin Rennie was perhaps thrown under the bus a little bit by certain people at the press conference? The Bobby Lanaduzzi speaking on behalf of the five man death panel said that it, they had nothing to do with it. It was all Martin's own decisions. Jay Demerit threw him under the bus, if you believe Gary Kingston's article, which I know Stephen doesn't. But he did say pretty much that. Um, and then there's been other comments from players and Darren Mattox today, clearly throwing Martin under the bus. Do you feel he's been hung out to dry as a scapegoat here? I hate the term being thrown under the bus. I think it's a terrible term. But hey, we're okay. trend, trendy these days. Fine, like, thrown under the curve. It's what all the young kids say, it. that and YOLO. Which I had to look up the other day because I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I thought it was a new signing. I had no idea. Um, We're so old. <laughs> look, yeah, the problem with all this stuff, uh, the, the, the contract not being renewed, the press conference with, the, with a new focal point, which was you know, not even on the contract not being renewed, is on how decisions are being made. And then some other some other issues. They all they all point back to the same thing is uh, that Steve hasn't talked about directly today, but has talked about a lot in the, a lot in the past. And and Mon- the monster has talked a little bit about today. Really is like, what is our club identity? And I think this is what what we're, what, what is concerning me or is is a, is an issue. I, and and I'm not saying keeping Martin Rennie would have solved that because I think that we had no it, identity with him. I I think that that's. Uh, I wouldn't say no identity, but yeah, it was it was a bit of a struggle from from top to bottom. Is that yeah, like who are we as a club? And and so you have this press conference to, to announce the, the the contract not being renewed. So it was like it was like to take the focus off this. It, we had this discussion of the, of how decisions are made. So yeah, it's not shocking 
that a football club has a, 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 a body, a group of people that are together making decisions. Yeah. Board of directors. Yeah. Board of directors, yeah. Common in football. A collective of sorts. A collective yes. of sorts. We, and some of them are carved. <laughs> Our, our, uh, I think our Twitter account tweeted that we are, what you know, we have some, we have some expertise in running a collective, and if the club needs help, we're, we're happy to be a part of that. But no, the, the, the thing was that this, um, the, the, the method is not sh- not shocking, but the fact that this is the time where this is most publicly discussed, I think, really took the focus off of Bobby as an individual. And I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, going to write Bobby out on my T-shirt or Leonard Uzi out on my T-shirt because I don't think that's the way to go. But I think. Our, our identity as a club is tied up in who Bobby is. And I think Bobby does make a lot of the decisions and make a lot of the things I think happen. he has a lot of input. I don't know if he makes a lot of decisions, but he does have definitely a lot of sure. input. Sure, he has, he, has, he has... From a soccer standpoint. He has the influence in yeah. the club. And, and, and I think with, with Frank choosing not to come here, to, to go to a place where he has full control, says a lot. Whether money was a bigger part of it or whatever, but to go a place where he had full control says a lot about how our club is run and what that either Bobby or that group of five the say that they have it says something about that. So they can say all they want that oh the the the, the, the coach made the final decision. Well, sure, but they the Bobby and Greg, who I I, I respect and 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 really appreciate in, in many in many ways. They play a big role in this. They play a big role in, in what actually happens and what 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 uh, what uh, uh, preferences from the coach are going to be kind of put through. And so I think we we do have this kind of still identity crisis because even even if we bring in anyone of let's say there was a, a list of ten candidates you know to be our coach, even if if we brought out any of if we all threw in two names each and said these are the, the top candidates, it, it's still going to be. You're still going to be living in the shadow of Bobby, and I think that that's—I don't know if that's best for our club at this time. And I'm not saying I want Bobby out. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm not saying his Seems role. Like you are, I'm not saying his role yeah. needs to be fully re- <laughs> redefined. But but I don't—I don't really fully believe that that Martin Rennie had all of the autonomy that is talked about. And maybe I'm—I could be dead wrong. I'm not saying I know anything. I'm just saying I don't think it, the way they talk about his autonomy. I don't think was fully lived out that way. Yeah, it's hard to think that you've got those five people that aren't going to have some kind of input. I mean, John, did, did the the committee thing surprise you or do you feel that it was just brought up as a way to say, look, before you start pointing fingers and want us out as well, we've nothing to do with anything, it's all down to the manager. It strikes me as the whole business with the, the committee behind the, uh, the curtains, um, I think that maybe slipped out. I don't think they intended for that to no. gain the traction that it did. And uh, I, I, no, I'm not surprised that, that, that some decisions are being made by committee consensus. That, that's not a shocker to me at all. Um, you know, it, it makes sense to me that, uh, you know, the coach or the manager, or whatever you want to call it, he obviously has uh, some vision of what sort of players he wants to bring in and, and quite often some specific players that he wants to bring in. And he runs those up to the, the, the higher ups who have to make the budget decisions, the ones that are paying the bills, moving the money around, making things happen. Um, in a lot of respects, I imagine that, that what Martin wanted to do with this team uh, maybe did not entirely come to fruition because it's possible there were some financial obstacles he hit when he brought those personnel you know, up for consideration to this committee. So it, on one hand, we're saying, yes, he had the autonomy to go out and seek out whomever he wanted. But at the end of the day, his ability to sign them and get those people to commit to coming to Vancouver, certainly uh, a lot of that power was wielded above Martin uh, by this committee. And if there were successes and failures in terms of player personnel, the committee is somewhat accountable for that. They have to be. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up two things to counter that. Uh, for what well, number two things is the first of all, you look at the DPS, uh, Barry Robson, Kenny Miller. That kind of uh, goes to what uh, you know Martin Reddy wants to do for designated players. Cap wise, they were right up against the cap. There was no space. They even had to get rid of Roshot in order to bring Usted in. So they, so. In, in the way, I don't think he was hamstrung in budgetary way. It seems like he was able to fully spend to the cap. He brought in the designated players he wanted to bring in. 
didn't work out and the and the club maybe the committee had to step in and say we had to get rid of this guy maybe that's where they stepped in in order to do that so i th- i think he did have some autonomy one thing is about the committee i was surprised that, uh, that it was made such a big deal about um I remember it was made such a big deal because no one's ever talked about it in this way. And the other, th- no, but the other the, thing about the other but thing about the, it is- listen, Jason DeVos, before the Whitecaps came into this uh, MLS, talked it on on a podcast, a CBC podcast, where he said the Whitecaps are using a collaboration. He only mentioned at that time Greg Anderson and Bobby Lenarduzzi, and he said some other guys. So he did mention a collaboration. So they have not. They might not have mentioned okay. it before, but it's not. It's not in the consciousness of of, of the supporters and of, and of, of well, that's the supporters' Vancouver. fault. They're not yeah. watching the CBC podcast. Yeah, true, fair <laughs> enough. But the other thing about it that struck me was that it, it, when you when you when you say, "Hey, it's five people making this decision," then you it's it's hard to say. It's oh, it's hard to say. Get, it's hard to say. Get rid of Bobby <laughs> yeah. because Bobby's like, "No, I'm just one of five. Like you can't get rid of yeah, me. Yeah, but that's what... not, I th- you know, like that's how it's getting blown up in the media. But I'm sure they're not five sitting around there and going, okay, we want to sign Barry Robson. Put your hand up if you vote no, for Barry. Yeah, Barry. That's not what the committee's doing. They're... At least in any board of directors I've been involved in, that's certainly not what's happening. It's like, you know, you're sitting there and it's like, okay, this is a matter for financials. This is the financial expert. Okay, Rachel let's talk Lewis. to Mr. Treasurer, right? Yeah, what, what do you think about this? And then that's how you come to the decision. So I would think anything soccer related in a committee like that would go to Bobby, right? I mean, that would just make sense. And the thing is, they were mentioning in the press conference, I don't know if you went into total detail, but he said that Martin Rennie would bring certain, like the designated players up to us, may have to make a case for those players, and then we would say, okay. And obviously they did because they brought in Barry Robson and Kenny Miller at the time. And Mustafa Jarju. So I think we know. Well, that was the year before. That wasn't Martin Rennie. That was Yeah. Okay, the executive committee was still there. They made that decision. It's the same five. You talk about you talk about uh, Barry Robson though. I've heard the straw, and I might be wrong on this as well, but I've heard the straw that broke the camel's back was when he uh, face to face disrespected Bobby. Like that was when it was like, okay, this is over. Well, you can't disrespect the management, the person in management. No, but he disrespected everyone else. Like everyone else, and it wasn't until he disrespected. Allegedly, yes. Well, I mean, I mean, you talk talk to his teammates. They say he had no respect for anyone. Yes, and he treated everyone that way. But it wasn't Brad until Brad Knighton described him as the angriest man he's ever met. Yeah, but it wasn't until he really disrespected Bobby that he was out. What well, I have no problem at all with the with the committee. If it's as they say, they don't interfere in playing personnel and personnel decisions unless it's on a financial basis. So if they can't afford someone, fair enough. But if, if they say to Martin or whatever manager, we can't, you can't have that player because we don't like him. We don't think he's good for your team. We think he can get better or whatever. So if it's not a financial decision, I do have a problem with that. But they're saying it's not, so you have to kind of go by face value whether you believe it or not. But what it does do is it creates this illusion of possible problems for any future manager mm-hmm. coming in. And of course now, with no Frank Yallop coming, they're having to find a new manager. So we'll talk about that just now. Uh, before we go around the table here, we, we put some questions out into the chirpy chirpy land. And we got some tweets back from people with some ideas of who they would like. So Steve will go over some of those just now. So first of all, we have Alan Koch. I thought might as well go at the top. Alan Koch from, at, uh, at Alan Koch SFU, who Slam will actually probably will say he should be the coach. He actually <laughs> tweeted out... Uh, Seeing how NCAA coach Caleb Portier has done well with the Timbers, maybe the Whitecaps should look at Canadian Sasha Surovolsky. He knows the North American game well. Now, of course, I didn't know who Sasha was. Oh, my. So I actually Come looked on, it up. <laughs> so I looked it up. No idea either. Um, he's on. actually the coach of... No, I, I didn't know who he he's was coaching. Like 20 years. He didn't know has who he, got he was something coaching. something to do with Thunder Beach, shall we? <laughs> no. No, I didn't know who he was coaching. I didn't know who he was a coach. I knew him as a player. I didn't know who he was a coach. I still don't hey, what's, what's the penalty? He was a coach. He's actually a coach for Maryland Terrapins, who's actually a very good yeah, uh, yeah. NCAA school and program. Hey, what's the penalty for Gottman? Mentioning Thunder Bay Chill ahead of Slam. <laughs> I know that now. I can't say Tony Calistro. <laughs> so, so the, he's so he brought the Caleb Porter thing into there. Uh, Brenton Walters at Cap Offside says, "Give me Christ or give me death." Um, we might have to accept death, and we will see. 
Uh, Nelson Santos uh, at Grandstander 1. Ian Holloway. Watching his teams appear to be a great motivator. Think MLS style of play will suit him. He might cost dollars. He also would have no idea about MLS rules and no. there's no way he's going to get his head right now. <laughs> I mean, that's... Uh, My that's, head might explode. That's fantasy one. <laughs> yeah. Nelson's yeah. talking fantasy. I love him, but he's talking fantasy. Co- Colin Tyner at CH Tyner says, are any of the right men available or are they already taken? He goes, goes on to say, if supporters want a manager who is committed to youth development, isn't Carl Robinson the safest bet? Matthew DeCap at Elisant X says we need to bring in a big name with pedigree splash some cash bob bradley gets my vote colin elms at colin elms um obviously a big fan of the white caps uh, uh says john herdman and then you tweeted back oh that's interesting obviously coming mentioning thinking he's a women's coach from golf he uh, said oh that's interesting and so colin elms uh replied because he actually knows what he's doing not because uh, the team's full of big girls' blouses at the moment. Yeah. Big Mac at CP underscore CNC says, uh, you're going to maybe have to help me with the pronunciation. Jupe Hankis. Jupe Hankis. Jupe Hankis. Obviously, a <laughs> Bayern Munich fan. Yeah, Jupp was a, a phenomenal striker for Mönchengladbach back in the 70s, won the European Cup. I'm but, talking about managerial. But, but managerial, he won the 1998 Champions League with Real Madrid against Juventus 1-0, and then to yeah, the, recently recently with Bayern. I'd never heard so, of him either, I totally came up. Uh, so um, every, he all goes on to say, everyone is so MLS-focused, let's go outside the box. Jupp is also retired. He's 68. Yeah. And those were all the tweets. Whoa, Another year, and he's floral. my favorite number. But he's uh, is he retired actually? Yeah, he's he officially retired. He okay, floral uh, retire. <laughs> we also had one from Ryan Med at Ryan on the Coast, who says Sir Alex Ferguson. It will be a good tune-up for him prior to joining Beck's Miami franchise. So that's what some of our listeners were were looking for. So let's just quickly go around the table. Just very briefly, and give me who your dream person would be, and like realistically, like don't pick like Jose Mourinho or something like that. But who your dream person for the job would be, and who you think will get it. So we'll start with John. I'm going to be that guy, Tater Torgerson. So, so is that your dream or your? That, that you, you know what? Here, here here's, here's we'll, go dream and realistic. Let, let me just lay this out, and and you know they. I, I am a tater loyalist. There's no question about that. So I'm absolutely biased about it. But here's here's what I'm thinking. Um, if you put tater in charge of the club that Martin Rennie finished with, mm. up against yep. Martin Rennie coaching the team that tater started with, true. I think tater cleans Rennie's clock right off the park. And um, I well, he did, didn't he actually? Well, here's the thing. Uh, see, Tater, what I liked about him was, number one, he believed in our youth program very, very strongly. Uh, he made it quite well known from day one. It doesn't matter how old the kid is. If he's good enough, he's good enough, and he'll be on my 18 or in my starting 11. Which is what Nigel Rio Coker has been saying as well. He, he loves that. If they're old enough, they're good enough. Phrase. Yeah, absolutely. Number two, uh, I have watched uh, the 86ers and Whitecaps over many, many years, and one thing I can honestly say is I have not seen players play for their coach like I did see with the guys who played under Tater Torgerson. He was a motivator and he was a guy that got them to believe in themselves and the shirt they were wearing. And uh, Tater also was a guy who I think he wore his heart on his sleeve. We saw it when we knocked off Toronto at Swan Garden in our first big clash of a second division club against the big MLS giant. And, and, you know, Tater doing his somersault across the pitch. This is a guy who cared about the club. He wanted to be here and he wanted to make something happen here. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly jaded about the the short leash that he got here in the first year of MLS. I would love to see this club right the wrong. Bring him back. Bobby, you and your committee need to bring him back. That's what I'm saying. So realistically, who do you think might get it? I think they're going to chase after uh, uh, Mr. Kreese, Mr. Kreiss. Um, I think they will throw big bucks at him to bring him here. I don't necessarily think that's the best thing to do, but I see it happen. Now, Zach, I've, I've heard you described as a, a man of Christ. Um, do you think he would be the guy that you would want? Oh, Michael. Um, 
I do love Christ. Um, uh, Jason Christ, I think, is a, is a quality coach, and uh, the, the, he does bring he does bring an identity to your club, which I think is a, is a good thing. He's not afraid to play young players. I, I would be okay with him in terms of the the MLS people that uh, people are, t- are talking about. Um, from a who outside of that, like, or who would I like to see, or you know. First of all, I'll just comment on what John, Johnny said. Tater, Tater, the thing about Tater for me, because uh, for me this whole football thing, yeah, it's about the game and about results, but it's also about a relationship. And there's never been a coach who has been um, so relatable to supporters than Tater Tortors. Absolutely. In, in 2010 or so, um, when we started, a few of us started to go, go hang out and watch training, like on a semi-regular basis once a week. Every training session, Tater Torson would come over and just spend time hanging out, talking, sharing a word about, you know, don't repeat this, but this is what's going to happen in tomorrow's game, or this is how we're going, or whatever. Like, uh, just a, a legitimately quality guy who was, yeah, just worth hard on his sleeve, was really upfront and really honest, and um, just a great, great guy. So I, I definitely would be okay with that. And I agree with you, Johnny, in terms of uh, his short leash and all that kind of stuff. I also would be okay on, on a because of my perspective. I would be also be okay with Carl Carl Robinson because I really appreciate him um, as a, as a person and think there's upside for him as a, as, a, as a coach and where he could go. There, there there's continuity with the um, with the with the with the, 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 the squad and stuff like that. And there's appreciation for him on the squad. The the downside to that is it 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 would kind of look like the club again is not speaking the truth in terms of. In terms of hey, we're going to take our time. We want MLS experience. Blah blah blah. I mean, they they could spin that and say, oh, he's had MLS experience as a player and as a assistant coach. But I, I feel so. though, if they then put their hands up and said, look, we've interviewed everyone and we actually think this is the best direction for the club, more folk hopefully will accept that. Yeah, but 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 in doing that, they, once you say once you say with Martin Rennie, we're willing to grow with a young coach, and then you cut that. At least in enough people's eyes, but, prematurely. It, but they expected him to grow with young players too, and he didn't do that. And that's where they probably did find the reason to cut bait. Yeah, I think that's debatable, which we don't need to have that debate right well, now. He so, didn't. He didn't really develop that many players. I think that's debatable, but we don't. Let's. So if I was to put a gun to your head, who do you think will get the job? Who do I think will get the job? Yeah, I think it'll be um, Carl Robinson or uh, someone who has coached recently in MLS. Okay, so Stephen, dream, dream for you. Oh man, dream. Well, I don't know. Dream. So for me right now, it's, if I went, <laughs> Tony Calistro, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> most successful coach in Canadian soccer history. Uh, no, I never heard of him. Okay, let's not even go. Okay, so if I was to starting right at this point in time, you know, we've lost Yallop, that's not going to happen. So everything we've said about, you know, getting an experienced coach, blah, 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 was really about Yallop. That's, that's the reality of the situation. That, that ship has sailed. So I would look more at somebody who's a, a protege and I would go to the Galaxy and I would take Kurt Anolfo from uh, Bruce Arena's assistant. And I'd give him the shot at this moment. Or Robinson in the same vein, I would take Robinson as well. But I think someone who's mentored—I don't, I, you know—numbers off my head. I know he uh, did the U.S. national team with him, and he did—he's uh, with the Galaxy now, so he's mentored with him for at least five or six years, right? So I think, we, and he's going to be a head coach in the next couple of years. That's pretty much a guarantee. So, so I think we would—if we took that chance. I'd be willing at this point to say, okay, this is where we are. This is what's happened, whatever. It is what it is. I'd be willing to take that chance and go. And he did have head coach experience as well in uh, D.C., somewhere on the East Coast. I think D.C. But he's got a couple of years of head coach's experience as well. So, Who do you think will get it? I think Robinson will get it, but I think it'll be like a, almost a default thing, right, which is not the best way to go into a – a tenure, right? There, there is a worry that there is going to look like that. Yeah. Before I talk about another worry I've got with Robinson as well, Steve, who do you think, who would you like to see and who do you think will get it? I think, uh, who would I like to see? I would like to see them break the bank and get Jason Christ. Um, yeah, I'm I with think, you there. That's I, my I, choice. I think, he's, I think he'll be able to develop the young players. He's shown he can do it with RSL, bringing Lewis Gill. 
the amount of players they got rid of this year off their team, sold them off for whatever money, and then bringing in young players, I think was fantastic. He, he shouldn't be where he is. A lot of people had him picked outside the playoffs. So uh, I, I think he would be the perfect bet. You know, people talking about, you know, you have to break the bank in order to pay him and everything like that. You know, the amount of money you'll save in sell, you, you'll be able to sell these players off, develop them, sell them off, and then you'll be able to make that money back easily if, if he does his job. And I think he could. Um, he's not, he's honest in his answers with the media and everything. I've been on the the bad side of him when, when he lost the game here and I've been on the good side when he's, when he's won. So he's always going to give you an honest answer when you're asking him a question about, you know, how the team played and everything like that. So in my bet, uh, Jason Christ would be number one. If they decide to go on the cheap, then I would back almost everybody else up and say Carl Robinson would be a fine addition. Uh, I don't say that's going on the cheap necessarily. Well, I think uh, uh, the cheap is inexperience and everything. Like that. I think they'll still obviously have to pay him, but I'm just saying <laughs> cheap on experience. Free. No, he's not going to work for free. Um, and uh, there is a chance that there could be some surprise person too. Who knows? Well, I, I'm with you in that I'd like to see Christ. That would be my preferred choice from all the names that we at least know of. The other concern I have about Carl Robinson is the club are really high in him and they really want him to stay around. I do worry that they're going to insist that whoever gets the job has to have Robinson as their assistant. And I think there's going to be a lot of managers that's not going to want that. They're going to want to come in with their own team and it would be really dangerous to do that. I'm not sure Carl himself would actually be happy being foisted on someone they didn't want him either, but there is a danger that it kind of comes as a package deal. If they do that, then this committee should be disbanded. If you get your number one choice, say whoever it is, if it, 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 you should never force an no, assistant I, coach. No, I agree. I just no matter how have, good that assistant coach is. Have this fear that that might happen. Here, here's which, some which names. Is, which is what happened with Tater with, um, what's his name? Dennis Hamlet. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, that yeah. was Tommy Sohn's guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'll throw some names out that I've, I've been hearing might be on the Whitecaps shortlist. Carl Robinson's obviously one of them. So one of the names I'm being told is Gary Smith. Gary Smith has apparently made it known that he is very interested in the Vancouver job out of the jobs that's coming up. He's won the MLS Cup. Yep, it, it's one of the ones he would really like. Won the MLS Cup with Colorado, then didn't do so well with Colorado, went to England, got he, sacked by Stevenage and has been out of the game for, for a little while now. Want to mention also he won MLS Cup at Toronto too, which might help us in the future. Like in Toronto. In, in Toronto. Not against Toronto, in Toronto. Which, no, not know, with Toronto. No. So But even even that year, they they like didn't they like they just barely made the team. cup and then Yeah, yeah, they finished fifth. They, yeah. I so, mean the same with RSL when they won. Yeah. Just quickly around the table, just a quick year or nay. Gary Smith, John? Me. Nay. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you could grow me, but I would agree with the monster. Yeah, I'd say nay. Stephen? Yeah, I'm not the same thing. I'm not for Scottish anymore. He's English. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not for English either. Um, I think at a push, if they want to get someone with experience, that he would be someone we could do worse than him, but I don't know. So another name that I'm hearing is in the frame is Jesse Marsh, the ex-Montreal coach, which surprised me when it was thrown out, but I don't know. It's I don't know whether there is any truth in that, whether it's just someone getting his name out there, but he Could was be. linked also with the Columbus job and didn't get that. No, Chicago. Linked with Chicago as yeah. well. He seems to be linked with any job that comes up. So Jesse Marsh, what, what do you think, John? Hell no. Absolutely not. Steven? Well, at least the team would have personality. I don't want him, but, you know, at least I think, you'd know it. I think if he does get the job, I think it'll be a connection with Jay Demerit. I think he was uh, with Bob Bradley in the World Cup as well. And uh, from, an assistant with Bob Bradley, so I think there is a connection there with Jay Demerit. From what I know, he was quite a dirty player, people say, as well. Yeah, so exactly. I, I, I like that, yeah, but I, I don't want him as manager. And he ended up in Montreal at one point, he, so he's filthy. Exactly. Like, no, but so Saputo got rid of him, so maybe sure he is actually a, a good if Saputo <laughs> got rid of him. <laughs> no, but here's the thing, and this is uh, one of the names that hasn't been brought up, that was brought up in the Twitterverse, is this whole, like, oh, let's see what happens in Seattle, and if Ziggy Smith gets fired, we should bring him here. Oh, I don't, I don't, I, it makes me so angry. So angry when people talk about these people like 
Like it's like there's no there's no emotion, there's no nothing behind some of these moves. I still am I'm still choked at how welcoming people were of Sebastian Latou, who I appreciate and I respect him because he wore our jersey, but I was angry that they brought in a USL sounder to be on our uh, to be on our team. Like what do you think? What, it took me two years to get used to Carl Robinson being here. Slamble. <laughs> <laughs> So it was emotionally devastating. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should find out what uh, Siggy would think about the Vancouver job, Samo. Go go go! No, ser- seriously. So, uh, aside from that, aside from uh, aside from the fact that he was in Montreal, which I think I is, couldn't root for him, man. Yeah, Siggy. <laughs> it would be like the turkeys voting for Christmas. <laughs> But no, aside from that, I don't, I don't like how he played in Montreal or how he had the team play in Montreal. Even though it did have some of that grit, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see it as being a fit here. So the, the last name that I've heard getting bandied about, and this might just come out of nowhere for some people, is the ex Chivas coach and the New York assistant coach, Robin Fraser. Uh, you know, I honestly don't know enough about him to to make a, a good call on that. But uh, I'll defer to my more informed colleagues here around the table. Yeah, it's hard to judge someone when they're their head coaching half experience. an hour of coaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When the coaching experience but is But he Chivas, did go on a fourteen game unbeaten streak with Chivas, which is like the equivalent, I think, of winning the MLS Cup three years in a row. No, I good I, point. According to Wiki he did that. It's, I'm not sure if that was true. Well if Chivas wins a match and there's no one in the stadium to watch it, <laughs> did it happen? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't think I don't think Robin has a body of work to yeah. even qualify him to be considered a by our body club. of work. Well done. Well said. The thing about Robin Fraser is he would he would be that safe like if they really love Christ's system and the way he plays on the field because Robin Fraser was an assistant when they were RSL won a couple of championships. Was that the or championship, the boyfriend on Cheers? Wasn't that Robin Fraser? The uh, Fraser Crane. No, no, no. The, no, no. Uh, the, what's her name? The tall blonde girl or dark haired girl? I mean. Oh, the guy with the accent. Actually, Robin. Yeah, yeah. It was Robin Fraser, right? What was her name on the show? <laughs> Diane. No, 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 no. no, no. What's, what's her name? Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley. Alley. Yeah, what was oh. her name? Her boyfriend, her husband was Robin Fraser. Oh, nice. She looks like Siggy Schmidt. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it all so ties yeah, together. Yeah, we've come full circle. Um, I think I would maybe actually have him out of those candidates as maybe my second choice, if it got down to that, just because I think he must have learned a lot in New York. But... Who knows? But is that was is, is this what it has come down yeah, to? No, so here's okay. Here's here's here. Look, I'm just gonna rant for a second. No, remember. I just want to before you go to the rant. Remember, this is a short list. There are obviously gonna be more people available once the playoffs are over. Oh sure, yeah. And I want to throw. Oh, I'm, I'm just making. I'm making a point without throwing out a name here. We were talking earlier about the identity of the Vancouver Whitecaps club organization, etc. Here's our identity in a nutshell. We are the most successful club in North American soccer history. We specifically have a world record in terms of number of undefeated matches. We are a club with stature, prestige, history. We're the oldest club that is currently participating in MLS. And that's even if you don't include our NASL history from the 70s. We are probably the most historically significant football clubs on the continent. And we should be going after the best. And if we are not able to attract the best, there is something wrong. Either we're not making enough of an effort to get the right people, or they're avoiding us because they don't like what they're seeing here. And I can't speak to what the issues are, but if we are this club, and, and certainly we, um, I gave Barber a lot of stick for his whole top 25 club, you know, uh, shtick that he was pushing for a while. I mean, it was all um, it was all rainbows and sunshine and BS. But the fact of the matter is, we are an important club, and we should be going after top-notch people, and they should be coming to us looking for work when it becomes available. And if they're not, you have to ask why. Here, here. And then fix it. Yeah, that, that that's fantastic. Thing. You should be on our, our executive committee with <laughs> stuff like that. Football. Carl Carl Robinson's the only guy on that list that isn't on every single club shortlist that's looking for a coach. Yeah, I know it's. It's, it's baffling if that is some of the people on the short list, but there could be other names come up. Dominic well, Kinnear could Clark be one. <laughs> oh, hey, let's throw Paul Dalgleish in. He knows Kakuta Mani, so <laughs> we can bring him here, get Kenny in as GM, keep the Scottish thing. That'd be, that'd be awesome. So let, let's see what happens with the, with the Caps managers thing. 
I think it's about time that we wrap this podcast up. There's a lot more that we were going to talk about, so I think we might save that for episode 27. So for now, I just want to thank everyone for joining me. And a quick go around the table, let everyone know where they can find you online or wherever. John? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Johnny Monster. That's J-O-H-N-N-I-E Monster. All one word. Thanks. Zach? Uh, Zachary A.M. Or at Zachary A.M. on Twitter, or the movements at Curva Collective. Stephen? At Slamo, S-S-S-L-A-M-O. And Steve? At White Cap Speed. And on AFTN. And you can read all our stuff online at AFTN.ca, AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. If you want to drop us an email about anything, AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me usually at the women's volleyball up at SFU. It's a, it's a good sport to watch. And you Window can find... dressing rooms. Especially when they trim the hedges. You can peek oh. out over top. <laughs> I like when they go for the high shots. I thought he meant something else when he said trim the hedges. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find me online at AFTN Canada. And Crime Stoppers. <laughs> One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.